Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on the life in the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertiser, Ed Beddington, and with me as ever are my fantastic co-hosts, James Cuthbertson and Heath Ball. Heath is an award-winning pub operator, having recently scooped some more silver for the mantelpiece by winning the Green King Wine Pub of the Year. So well done, Heath. I'm actually being nice to you. For this time. Thank you. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Sadly, the mantelpiece is still missing the most important award, the plaque that James and I got you to commemorate the time your wife actually <laughs> apologised to you. <laughs> She's got it. She's and got it somewhere. I was going to say, seen you, it. you haven't yeah. had the balls to put it up yourself, so you've given I it to your wife. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. This would be his last pod if he did it. (laughs) Yeah, jeez. James has yet to experience the joy of of an apology from his wife, but is an accomplished groveller himself. For good reasons, he's generally always in the wrong. And and just to say, James, you know, it's great to actually have you back with us in the flesh. It just wasn't the same without you last time. I mean, it was better. It it just wasn't the same. There was more more food to eat. There was... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you guys, honestly, enough already. Yes. Um, anyway, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining me. So let's uh, for for this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about getting summer ready. And no, James, we're not talking about your beach body here. But if you are going to the beach, please do let us know so we can slam the uh, marine life rescue guys down before they get any calls. See, that's fattest. <laughs> I think you find I am fattest, but that is fattest. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Sorry, I couldn't resist. That's so. bullying, I think, the workplace at the moment, isn't it? Oh, well, I, I couldn't so, possibly uh, comment. I'll, I'll refer you to my well, lawyer, think, who's no, going to be think, joining us later. I think you did comment, and I think actually yeah. HR will be coming to your house. <laughs> <or something. laughs> we are talking about pub gardens and outdoor spaces. Uh, we saw what a lifesaver the outside space of your pub could be during the lockdown, and there's always strong demand for a cracking pub garden in what passes for the great British summertime. So we'll be hearing from some great guests throughout the show to help you guys get those bushes trimmed and lawns mowed ready for the summer. Including Legal Eagle, James Anderson from Pop Stalin, who's going to be telling us what to watch out for on the legislative front. Amelia and Marcus from award-winning pub The Brizzy Bell will be sharing their advice on how to create an award-winning garden. And we'll be hearing cautionary tales from Diane Irving of Drought Limited and Georgia Nightingale of Spoken when it comes to their outside space. But before all that, however, let's catch up on the week's news and I'm sure Heath wants to have a little bit of a rant about a certain uh, Rishi Sunak. Over to you, Heath. Oh, mate. Oh, it's... I don't know what even though to say. Do you know what I mean? He did so well during COVID and now he's just gone and absolutely throwing us under the bus. They, they don't care. I've seen it a million times. You know, yeah. how much money does that guy have? You know, look at these... It's, it's heartbreaking what's happening to the industry. Uh, we haven't recovered. We're on our ass again. We haven't recovered, and we're just getting hit. Here's your tax. Everything's back to normal. Okay, we've got we've got a bit of a break on our business rates, but our business rates have always been unfair. And here we go again. We're just back, and like it's just like everything's back to normal. We're at war, technically at war. Well, all but declaration. But all the the costs of everything's gone up so much. Electricity, oil, cooking oil. Someone's having it away, and here we are, and we're back to twenty percent VAT. What a waste of time. Like, it's just, it's all it's going to do is put more people out of business. Yeah, I think we're so definitely... Someone fear. I think even if he'd made a concession to, uh, or made the point that we'll look into the rating, you know, or, or launch a... That would give us some hope that actually that would be... Because everything is tomorrow, isn't it? It's jam yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. But he could have given the entire retail industry some hope mm. based on, we are going to look at this and get it right. And in fact, I think in Labour's response, it was mentioned that the rating system would be 
the overhaul business rates, yeah, business yeah, yeah. rates would, would be looked at. So, um, yeah, if he's going to start throwing things about to do later, um, it could have at least given us that. But he's not. But he's not even doing that. No, that's what I mean. It, we're just. We're basically really, and I've said it a million times before. We're on our own. We really are. He, they don't care. All our industry bodies can sit there. They don't give us stuff about us. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to, be, to be fair, even I mean, Kate, I spoke to Kate Nichols last week for, for the review of the week, and even she said you know, there's a deaf ear at the heart of government to our trade now, particularly on this issue, particularly well, on VAT. Surely, let's the trade bodies then should be you know paid on results like the rest of us are, because right now, what's the point? I mean, genuinely, if that's the case, then yes, as he says, you're on your own. And that's it. We it's are. Just, just we are, it. man. Yeah. Like, there's no. They don't care about our industry. They just. We, honestly, like our customers think we're stupid because we work in hospitality. The government thinks we're stupid because we work in hospitality. The reality we're is, we're just, just stupid. Right? Yeah. What's that? We're stupid. <laughs> yeah, we're stupid. No, you, we are you, stupid. Not, not generally. It was. No, no, we are stupid for sitting here and taking this. French. You know what I mean? We, we two years of absolute shit dealing with these stupid sausage roll things and you can't do that and you can't do that none of the science made sense none of the stuff the government made sense they're backtracking with a lot of it now and they're turning around and going well you're back to 20 percent it's almost like you've survived the last two years but now we're really going to put it to you because we're really not going to help you at all and don't you think uh, um, also Heath, that the the whole petrol thing that's that's been in the press the last few weeks particularly has been an excuse for companies i think your phrase was fishing for increases so whilst everyone's talking about increases they're you know just everyone no matter if they're not impacted or not are going for big increases like fishing just trying to get we did that with the oil company didn't we this week they wanted to put it up 20 percent. they just phoned up and said oh so you know i'm trying to take a name to say that's it done well we've now dropped that company and go with someone else and save plenty yeah. so I think maybe if there's going to be there is you know, without a doubt there's probably going to be some uh, opportunistic uh, behaviour by suppliers isn't there yeah there, um, it definitely is and that's where it comes down to relationships though doesn't it you know having strong solid relationships with your suppliers so they're less likely to try and pull I mean you you know most are suffering but even if you share the burden it can't all come down to the retailer or the licensee it can't I mean it's just you know unless we're buying from them they're not going to have a business either no. So I think there needs to be some reality there mm. Um, mm. in these conversations. But yeah, it does feel, on his point, it does feel that no one cares. And yeah, well, I mean, they I, don't. I, well, they don't. They don't I, if they don't, they don't. I mean, ultimately, though, we're in a situation where you know it's it's within our gift. Now we've got to get on with it. We've got to do it. Um, you know, we we survived two years of of absolute horror, closures, restrictions, everything like that. We managed to get through that. Uh, at least yeah, now we're is, open and it, we're trading, it, it, no? It, 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 that's different. That's different. Do you know what I mean? We, we've taken on debt. We've all taken on debt. We're all a bit battle-worn. Mm. We're all a bit exhausted. Mm. And then we get told, you know, we're not even going to give you a, a chance to fully recover. Because we, no matter what they fucking say, this government say, we still are dealing with COVID. You, you said it before. We've got some people dropping out of the public in because they've got COVID. Why are they staying at home? If the government guidance is you don't have to stay at home anymore, everyone's taking a moral obligation upon themselves to go, you know what, I won't see my friends. So you're still getting the backlash of that. We're not out of this. Mm. No matter what we think about COVID, we're not out of it. And people's habits have changed and, and going out's changed. We haven't recovered. We've got debt. We're, we, you know, we've still got rising costs, all this shit. And the government's not even given a chance for us to catch our breath and go, you know what, guys, take some time. You know, get back on your feet, yeah. and then hopefully we'll have a bit of stronger hospitality sector mm. because they don't care. And if more businesses go out of business, that's just the that's mm. it. They don't. and that wanker Gordon Ramsay coming out <laughs> with his statement last week. 
Oh, yeah, do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Rem- remind us of the statement for those that didn't hear it. Well, he, he, he said it got rid of all the crap out of the industry. Mm. Mate, you, him, hear He's me, still Gordon, trading, you sacked. How many, how many staff did he sack when, uh, when he came in? Because he did. He did. And you can fact check that. He went through to one of his restaurants, a lot of his restaurants, and got rid of people when COVID hit. Yeah. He cut, he cut, you know, and there he is playing the, ah, oh, he can piss off. Yeah, but he's also I mean? made friends with most of Cornwall as well by saying he hates Cornish people, despite having three yeah. houses there. So, Did he uh, say that? He's, uh, he's, he's on the charm offensive, I think, on, on that front. But, but um, I, I still, I'm still loving that interview he did with Rishi Sunak. Mm. Just shows you, doesn't it? You know, two millionaires having a chat about how to save the hospitality my, my, sector. My, my, my favourite thing of uh, Rishi Sunak was him trying to pay for his uh, petrol in his car by uh, trying to scan his uh, bank card. Yeah. Well, it's it wasn't his car, it wasn't his petrol. It wasn't his yeah. car, was it? Yeah, exactly. Has he ever paid for anything in his life? I think the best, the best headline I saw was something on one of the spoof sites, something about Rishi Sunak trying to pay with a Fabergé egg and uh, diamonds, which... Uh, yeah, about right, really. the whole thing's just we're basically run by a bunch of charlatans who are just self-interested they don't care about us it's so, just about what gets them so before we go Heath what, what are you going to yep. do VAT back up to 20% how are you going to deal with it mate how, like the problem is you've, how do you customers think that you're having it away all the time anyway because they walk into your place and they go oh you're busy but they don't see the costs so they sit there so you put things up say you put things up 10 15% to cover rising costs and VAT they just think they're taking the piss. So you've got to try and you either take a hit on your bottom line yourself, which you don't bloody have because it's been decimated mm. by COVID, or you put it up and then you have to listen to them bitch how expensive it is. I don't know. There's going to be tweaking. You know what I mean? It'll just carry on tweaking prices. There's nothing else you can do. You've got to, like, if they don't want to come, then go somewhere else. So you're not, you're not going to wholesale put prices up. You're going to, you're going to tweak and nudge. Yeah, I'm going to tweak and nudge all the way through. I'm not going to, I'm not just going to do a blanket across the board because it could look you know what I mean I don't know because certainly your, your multi-millionaire customers up in Highgate are price sensitive mate they are <laughs> they are they're the worst type they are the worst type the people with the most money are the people who complain the most about pricing it's true, this is true. They, they, they'll sit there and complain and they'll get picked up by their driver in a Bentley to go home do you know what I mean? Like, give me a break. Do they pay with Fabish eggs and diamonds as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on my wish. Note, let, let's uh, let, let's park that one there before his head actually does explode. Because I am slightly worried there seems to be steam coming out of his ears. So let's leave it there. <laughs> You're listening to the Lock-In Podcast and we're talking pub gardens. The pub garden is an iconic part of the great British pub institution and the summer months will see punters flocking, if the weather plays ball. But how do you create the kind of space that will have said punters flocking? We're delighted to be joined by Amelia Nicholson and Marcus Seaman of the Brisley Bell in Norfolk to find out exactly what makes a great garden. So welcome guys. Hi, hello, hello. Hi, hi. Good, oh. good, to, good to have you and the dog with us. So, um, I mean, you got, you took the, the title of best pub garden in the Great British Pub Awards last year and then went on to win the overall pub of the year as well because you were greedy. Um, so it's uh, it's not just about the garden with you. And I guess that, that's, that's a fairly valid point, isn't it? Uh, a great garden won't work unless you get the other bits right, I suppose. Or can a great pub garden stand alone in a mediocre site? What, what do we think? Uh, well, it's this is our first, first and last pub, so uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we've got nothing to compare it to. But um, 
But I would imagine if you're a drinking pub and you've got a really nice garden, I think that would probably work. Mm. Uh, uh, especially if the sun's out and it's a nice, a nice green space, a nice space to, to hang out in. Um, and on the flip of that, if you're yeah, food only and you had a nice garden, I think that would work too. So yeah, I think a garden in every, every form of a pub would probably enhance it uh, on a sunny day. I mean, Heath, you're, you're a good example. You've got uh, gardens and a terrible pub. So, I mean, um, <laughs> do you think they can stand alone or do you or do you need to get it all right to make it work? Oh, I, I, no, but I think a lot of pubs get away with um, a multitude of sins over summer who are just average operators but with great spaces. Mm. And they don't have to try hard. It's like having a pub in the West End. You're always sort of going to be busy pre-COVID. So, I, I think a lot of people do get away with having a mediocre offer and not, doing a, not having to do much about it. So, a pretty great outdoor space is, is, is an absolute bonus, even if your pub's a bit rubbish, as we say. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, not talking rubbish gardens or rubbish pubs, because clearly, uh, Amelia and, uh, and Marcus, you've got both. You've, you've hit the ground running with both those, uh, ticked both boxes. So, tell us a bit about the garden. Tell us a bit about your journey. What, how did you create, you know, the best garden in the country? Uh. Um, nice easy well, question. Actually, well, yeah, nice easy question, in which I'll uh, I'll give a very short answer. But basically, um, we had a blank canvas to a degree, uh, with nearly two acres of garden, and um, Marcus did uh, spend about three months on a digger. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I think with a blank canvas, you ha- you actually have a lot more scope. Yes. Yeah. So t- tell us about um, that, that that digger experience, Marcus. Uh, yeah, I quite like. I quite like it. Uh, uh, I quite liked it. Um, yeah. No, so uh, yeah, we. I mean, it's right. We're lucky. We've got a bit of space. Um, so uh, we, with that digger, we were able to sort of create uh, really interesting areas. Uh, so it's gone from a, a sheep paddock uh, to uh, croquet lawns and raised area and, and beautiful beds and lots of trees and. Um, yeah, we put an awful lot of work into it. Uh, it's something that we're very proud of, and it's definitely a draw uh, to, 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 to come to the Brisley Bell, uh, um, especially when the weather's, the weather's nice. <clears throat> and, I mean, it sounds like you spent quite a bit on that. Was, was it an expensive investment? Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, Trees are the expensive bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'd hate to add it all up, but uh, uh, that and uh, I can see... Our, We've got a part-time gardener, and he's cutting the edges at the moment out through the window. So, yeah, there, there's a huge, there's a huge investment you have to make. But uh, my our experience is that it, it pays dividends. It, it really does uh, pay for itself uh, tenfold. Um, and uh, and you know, in our we're sitting in our garden room at the moment with massive windows that overlooks. You can't you can't have a bad garden and a nice dining experience. With the architecture that we have, it just wouldn't work. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, something we're very proud of. On top of which, we've got the patio and the the shed just outside, so uh, you know, lots of space to eat, which I think is super popular. And, uh, uh, did you guys have any experience of, of sort of landscaping or? I mean, how how did you do? Was it is, is it something that you, uh, you were you were good at anyway, or did you get people in to help with that? No, uh, not at all. Uh, we didn't get anybody to help. Uh, we spent a lot of time scratching our heads. Uh, we did a lot of planning two-dimensionally, uh, and then um, the both of us. And then we, it was just a, a question of pegging it all out and 
hiring a digger, and away we went. Um, so um, uh, I, you weren't green fingered at all, were you? Um, Other than working, no, no, okay. Uh, I, 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 I've got a farming background, so I know how to grow things. But um, uh, yeah, we've just learnt on the on on the hoof, uh, and uh, and I'm still I'm still learning every day. Uh, Google, Google on my phone is brilliant. <laughs> Got many an operator out of uh, out of trouble that one. Um, so I mean, the the, the the you've invested in the garden. Um, I mean, where did you look for inspiration then? What 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 sort of uh, where did, did you nick ideas from other pubs or or was it just sort of your own creation? Yeah, I'd say we didn't. I mean, not, I'd say Pinterest is a great place to, to to nick ideas from in terms of. But when I say when you say nick ideas, I think it's more about sort of finding an idea and making it your own and building on it. Mm. Um, but the uh, sorry, am I wobbling between? I can't remember the question. Sorry, you're off right now. <laughs> Looking for ideas. Where, where do you get no, ideas what, from? What we did was we we we, we had some existing uh, uh, trees and uh, bushes, and so we we really designed the architecture, uh, the designed the garden around the existing architecture walls here. Um, Certainly, we, we we had one or two ideas that we've inputted from from uh, other gardens, not necessarily pubs, mm. but on the whole, it was just working with uh, with what we had. And I mean, you touched on on maintenance there as well. You you've got a, a part time gardener. Um, that is something I guess that. that needs to be thought about isn't it I mean there's the ongoing cost of maintaining you can create something amazing but you've got to stay on top of it yeah absolutely uh, although um, we are uh, he's a retired Met Police Officer uh, our retired Met Police Officer uh, he uh, is a gardener for a day and a half a week but he also doubles up as a very handy handyman uh, and it's quite a big building so uh if he hasn't got a fork or a spade in his hand, he's got a screwdriver or a paintbrush. So uh, if you can combine the both with that one individual, it, it, it works. It works in the field. I was going to say, and also security as well. Just going to ask, um, it's James here, just going to ask about, the obviously the weather in this country is a challenge. Um, what have you done to sort of ensure that the space is usable sort of as much throughout the year as possible? Well, we got. Uh, that's a good question, James. We've got, a, um, we've got an outside... It's the first time for everything, area. James. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. <laughs> Which uh, seats about uh, 24 people, 26 people. Uh, um, and uh, we were able to get a grant from the government to put a canvas over that uh, during COVID. And that was a 100% grant. So we've done that. We've also, uh, we had a beech tree just as you exit uh, or enter the garden. Uh, sorry, a beech hedge. Uh, we decided in lockdown two, I think, to move that to uh, create a couple of holes or archways in that hedgeway and create a, a, a shed area for, for two, two uh, seating areas um, which is heated and has got lighting and it, it provides shelter when the, when the weather's not so great. Uh, so there's various things that you, we can do. Um, uh, yeah, I'd like to do more, but uh, you know, where do you draw the line? Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And Heath, I mean, you, you've you've um, discussed maintenance on your side. I know I've seen you uh, running around with a chainsaw in your pub, uh, trying to trim the bushes. That's that, uh, <laughs> uh, you just do it yourself, do you? I do it all myself. Oh, Mark, I say that I've got Marcus who runs uh, runs my other pub. He comes up. He's quite handy. So between the two of us, but it doesn't, you know. An hour at morning of just plotting around doing stuff. I don't have a, I don't have two acres, so I'm 
you know, two acres in London would be it would be a dream. But no, I don't. Know, I don't have the luxury. I do have a question. How do you keep up with the demand? Like, is your kitchen massive? How do you keep up with the sheer amount of covers you can obviously do? Uh, it's um, yeah. This is a brand new. What five, the, the kitchen is five years old. Oh, okay. When we did the redevelopment of the pub, it was yeah. We bought a sort of two up, two down country inn, and then expanded quite dramatically. So that included the new kitchens. So as soon as we did that, the chef, uh, uh, the, our French chef, turned around and said, "I did not sign up for this," and um, uh, because we were so busy, and uh, within two weeks we realised our brand new kitchen wasn't big enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fair size. It is. It is a fair size. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a good. It's a good question. Um, they they manage the space that they have really well. Um, we've had to build on uh, uh, extensions with regard to additional uh, refrigerator space, and storage space. But uh, uh, but it is what it is at the moment. The plan three before lockdown was to build a proper extension onto the kitchen, but obviously uh, COVID. Uh, uh, put the brakes on that. Mm. I think that in terms of covers then, how many covers outside do you have in, in your garden? So we can see on the patio and in the shed that we built, we can see 40, uh, 42 extra covers. And then um, we can also see people, that, and that's not in the actual garden itself, but uh, depending how busy the restaurant is, we usually just serve food on the patio and in the shed. But So yeah, you, don't, you don't serve food, you don't serve food out into the garden proper then, it's, it's kept... That's how you manage that process, isn't that, it? That's how we manage it. And if it's, uh, if, it, you know, if people can have a bowl of chips or something out there. And uh, if it's a quiet day, we would be able to do it. But just in terms of actually being able to have it all contained, because the patio is uh, open to the garden. Yeah. We, we, we made a decision that it was too far for the food to be run. Uh, and so there was, a, there was a chance that the food would arrive cold. Or, yeah. or not, not as warm as we'd want it to be, because uh, yeah, it is two acres, so it's a, yes. it's a quite, quite a big garden. So that that's where we've sort of drawn a, a line around where you can and can't. Just need golf buggies, Marcus. Surely, no. <laughs> well, I was going to say in uh, COVID times when we were were serving food out into the garden only because obviously no one was allowed inside. The, um, uh, the some of the staff counted their steps, uh, which was very funny. Um, and, they, and yeah, yeah, yeah no, we had a kind of competition, and we kind of worked out what made us easier. But our garden is, you know, it's a, it's a lovely, sizable garden. Fantastic. I'm, I'm just conscious of time, so we're we're almost out of the time. But one last thing. I mean, what advice would you give to other operators that are looking to create something special in the garden? Um, I would I would say it doesn't matter how big or small your space is plant greenery uh, people love love being surrounded by uh, by green uh, so uh, just invest in trees and bushes and plants uh, uh, and um, and keep it as well manicured as you possibly can and and people will will use it and people will come back again fantastic brilliant okay guys well thank you very much for that no problem at all you're very welcome
This is the Lock-In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. We're talking about outdoor spaces and getting ready for the summer weather and we've seen some serious changes to legislation and planning in the last couple of years. So to bring us up to speed and keep us on our toes, we've got one of the finest legal minds in the industry joining us now, James Anderson of Popperston Allen. Did I get that bit right, James? We agree the tenant, right? Get his name right. <laughs> Your introductions are far too generous. I, I thought you were talking about someone else. It's fine. As long as the, as long as the check's in the post, yeah. uh, that, 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 that's all we need to worry about. Sir. So, anyway, welcome, James. Thank, thanks for joining us. Um, I mean, let, 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 let's kick off with a bit of an update. You know, what, what sort of changes have we seen in um, in planning and licensing rules over the last couple of years, uh, and what remains in place for, that people can take advantage of? Yes, two principally, Ed. Um, firstly, planning. Um, there, there has been a relaxation of the requirement for temporary structures. So if you want to put a marquee in your um, garden, your pub garden, you can do so as long as it's temporary, uh, 10 metres in height or less. Right. Um, then you can do so without planning permission, which is, you know, very useful. Perhaps, ironically, less useful in the summer yeah. uh, when everyone wants the sun but but it certainly would be effective now and when it's not so warm in you know making the making um, use of the garden uh, more popular uh, and that's a trend that you know I've seen over probably 10 five to ten years um, it, it, you know the, the, the rise of the pub garden as an alternative space and its use um, outside the summer is it has been a, a dramatic change I think mm. um, that's the first one secondly the the government introduced the business and planning act 2020 um, which essentially to uh, encourage uh, easier use of the highway for tables and chairs which again has been successful perhaps less relevant to pubs more some pubs on the high street but more really a high street thing um, but also at the same time that enabled pubs without off-sales to take advantage of off-sales and there are I think a reasonably significant number of pubs that only have on-sales so the Business and Planning Act allowed them automatically without any application to have off-sales until 11 o'clock that had several benefits one delivery which became particularly popular during during the various lockdowns and takeaway as well but also to use external areas uh, if they weren't on the licensing plan, then uh, they could use those areas by way of off-sale. So, those, so go those, all, those all remain in place, but the, 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 the latter piece of legislation, the Business and Planning Act, uh, will come to an end on the 30th of September this year, unless further extended. And I mean, do you get any sense that, that there's going to be an extension to that, or is it just impossible to know at the moment? We don't know. I think there is likely to, to be some change in relation to tables and chairs that may be local authority driven because some local authorities, and again, really high street again, some local authorities, I mean, Westminster, for example, really embraced this. Areas of Soho, you, you may have seen, were, were effectively closed off. There were a lot of road closures in a bid to help the trade. Um, and Kensington and Chelsea, interestingly, who were notoriously uh, quite hard in relation to tables and chairs obviously highly residential and lots of park residents but they they're in, they are going to introduce a scheme to extend tables and chairs throughout the royal borough 
um, and that's that's acting independently of Parliament. They, they're just doing that. They they had a survey, and the survey um, found there was a majority in favour of continued and extra tables and chair use use across the boroughs. So mm. That may happen. In terms of government legislation, possibly the pavement licences. It's always been a source of frustration to me that in many London local authorities, if I want to put tables and chairs on the pavement prior to the Business and Planning Act, I need both planning permission and a highways license. I need two, two licenses effectively doing the same thing, much delay, double the cost. Mm. They're both renewable annually or usually at some cost. So it's, it, it's actually quite anti-business. Mm. The off sales, I suspect, which was really driven by takeaway delivery uh, to help pubs who, who couldn't do that, I suspect will not be extended because pubs can, of course, apply to add off sales to their licences. So I think that will be a, a, a limited COVID uh, uh, assistance measure. Mm. And, and Heath, James, are you, uh, you've got the off sales permission anyway, or will you take advantage of that, those changes? We, we had it already. Yeah. We had right. that already, yeah. Mm. So, so, James... You said about yeah. the um, the height of the marquees. Yeah. I think our local guy said it was three metres. In oh, Mons- I, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. I said ten. I've yeah, it's okay. I just wanted to check. I was going to say, is that a multi, no, no. multi-storey marquee? Or, yeah, no, I was just um, about to try and get a refund for the planning cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good spot. You should have got the other guy on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was busy. He was on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> and so was the it's, other one and the other one. <laughs> I'm getting, you see, I've been listening too much to, to Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah, I'm getting my metres mixed up with my feet. Or Diane uh, Abbott. It's ten feet. It's three metres, ten feet. feet. Three Perfect. Metres, ten feet. Sorry, I just thought meters. I'd check. That was all. And uh, that's high. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. high. Is there any restriction, sort of width, length? Uh, is it just high? I'm not sure. I think as long as it's in your boundary. Um, is that right, James? Um, it's 50, it's 50 metres square or... Um, or half of the size of the building, whichever is less, I believe, is right. the limit. Um, and you can't be two, more than, sorry, less than two metres from the neighbouring curtilage. So you'd have to move it back a bit from the from the back of the garden if you had a right. neighbour the other side. Okay. Um, so it's it's quite it's it's pretty generous generous. And I I was going past the pub actually in um, Kingston the other day, and I. They they've got one of these you know marvelous stretch tents, mm. which, which is quite a clever design because it's not it's not it's not a marquee and it's it's not a top top hall and it's sort of like a mixture and it, it covered virtually the whole of the outside area. Um, yeah. So, mm. and I mean you said it's probably not that not that practical as we're coming up to the warmer months, but you have actually seen the British summer, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. And so uh, they probably will have... Yes. It's all about having that multi-use space, I guess, isn't it? I mean, are you planning on keeping your marquees up? Mm. uh, Very much. Yeah. Even in the summer? Yeah. I think last year, we've got clear roofs on ours, and I think last year was a prime example. It rained loads over summer. So we take the sides off, we leave the roof on, and at least if it rains, we can still book all the tables outside. Before, we'd never take bookings for the garden because you never knew what was going to happen. But now we go, oh, at least if it rains, we're still okay. So, yeah, definitely. I think it's been a godsend, the marquee. Yeah. Really, really helped you. Extra revenue really has helped. And there are you know, still people yeah. that 
want to sit outside and you know yeah. they are still people that are worried about the covid thing that, that yeah. do request Mate, it. I, I, I'm, ju I'm just here trying to do the best to pay as much tax as i possibly can <clears throat> to get this government back on its feet to <laughs> just bring vat back to 20 percent what are you like oh, i'm here i want to support this country Heath Ball, MBE. There we go. He's, yeah, uh, he's that was sarcasm in selfless. case you missed it. I <laughs> couldn't tell with that <laughs> Kiwi accent, mate. It's, uh, it's impossible. You sound sarcastic when you speak generally. It's, uh, yeah. um, oh, it's my Coming back to actually getting James the, the, the legal expert, while we've got him, let's let's talk about So, um, what, what do operators right. need to think about if they're going to think about maybe having an outside bar during the summer months? What are, what are some of the uh, issues there? Well, they're not as controversial as they used to be. Uh, and... Um, I think we've talked about it before. Um, there is quite a quite a lot of misconception about outside spaces. I mean, you don't need the outside area to be licensed uh, to use it. If you've got off sales, you can, as long as you've got permission to use the space, and if it's your space, you know you can use it. And mm. during lockdown, we saw um, a, a, a lot of uh, operators being imaginative um, gardens extending their own gardens, car parks. I, I saw a number of pubs with, you know, tables and chairs across the car park, terracing, decking and that sort of thing. So you can use those as long as you have off sales without any restriction, without doing anything, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to put a bar outside, though, you are selling alcohol from the bar. So that has to be in an area that's licensed. Um, many pubs on the plan, the outside area or part of it is licensed. And again, we would say if you're sticking a temporary bar there, you don't need to do anything. It's a temporary structure. The fact that it sells alcohol is not relevant because it's in an area that is licensed to sell alcohol. Um, if you want to put a bar out and you don't have uh, that part of the premises licensed, then you do need to apply for what's likely to be a full variation. And you can do one of two things. You can either just license the bar, so effectively rather crudely sticking a red brick on the plan where the bar will be you could only put the bar there uh, if you wanted to move the bar around you could then license the whole of the area for example um, but that can be more controversial if you've got residents and they see the garden the garden being licensed then there may be more concern it brings into play other licensable activities as well of course because it would then apply the live music act uh, automatically uh, and so you would be able to have live music outside till 11 o'clock which may not cause um, <laughs> may, may cause some concern so we would probably advise if you're just going to stick your bar in one area just put the bar on the plan full variation uh, sort of right. path of least resistance um, but if you want to move your bar around or you want entertainment outside some pubs for example in more rural areas um, like entity, you know why not mm. um, uh, you know fates and, and, and functions and plays and things they happen mm. and then license the whole area so unfortunately that means he's uh, wine chalet isn't actually illegal then I mean, it sounds good. Um, no. No, I think I mean, you that, took, took advice from Thomas I mean, I thought we broke all the rules in those things, but I'm disappointed there. Um, just just yeah, conscious of, 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 of... Sorry, Ed, mm. if, if I made this... I mean, bars outside cause less problems. I mean, I remember doing an application years ago, and the residents were up in arms because their, their perception is that you're putting a bar outside, that in some way you're going to change the the behavior of the residents and turn it into some sort of rowdy thing. Yeah. 
it's just a point of sale yeah. uh, and effectively it practically speaking operators like them because they people don't have to go back into the pub yeah. so it, it's much more efficient in terms of you know um, giving customers uh, a, a good time it, it aids supervision we would say because of course you've got it's permanently manned yeah so um you know and it, it i think it yeah, it drives sales for a lot of pubs because you can get a you know if you walking past a pub garden you see a bar and you think well you know i don't even have to go inside i'll just yeah. get a seat and off we go nice and easy so yeah. they are becoming more 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 popular Absolutely. So, um, like I said, conscious of the time, so what, one last thing. What, what should licensees be doing now in terms of licensing to get ready for the summer months? We've got the Jubilee coming up. What, what do they need to be thinking about? Well, I think it's, it's looking at the license. Ed. I mean, m- most now will be, will be you know, fully familiar with it. Um, you know, I think Do I Need a Bar is a good one. Mm. I think a bar can be a, a, a sort of game changer. Do I want to put any food outside? You know, barbecues are very popular. Don't need anything. Uh, as long as you're not selling after 11 o'clock for a barbecue, that, that's it's temporary. Just stick stick a barbecue outside. Uh, it, I think always, if you're having some sort of event with entertainment, um, are my licensed outside for entertainment? Will the live music act apply? Do I need a temporary event notice? Uh, do I need to tell my neighbours? Um, which is probably a good idea, uh, frankly. Um, uh, and t- tell the neighbours you're having a bit of a function. They're more than welcome. Um, etc etc um, but I think you know that th- those are, that th- those are the things there's no sort of magic bullet to operating outside I, I think supervision forgive me you know I don't want to tell operators to suck eggs but it, it, it can go wrong outside quite quickly if you get the wrong group uh, and you know they turn up a bit pissed uh, and uh, they're a bit rowdy um, but that that's you know that's a, a supervision and management control issue absolutely, absolutely. I guess with that there's yeah. the underage piece as well isn't there making sure that yes it's not being passed. yeah yeah of course you, 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 you I suppose it's harder you've got a you've got a table outside um, you mean to enforce it you mm. you know dad goes up to the bar and you know he get he gets the the, the, the tables around the back of the bar it's not way to wait for service and he's getting a couple of sneaky ones in for his um you know 15 16 year olds it's not impossible it's quite difficult to enforce Mm. Um, I've just got one question because I know someone who sent their nine-year-old child to the bar to buy a drink yeah. recently. James? Um, no, I think that was you, Edward, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, it was. Yes, it was, Ed. No, yes, no, 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 no. I don't. He looks think very he, old for his age. Uh, though, yeah, he's, he's got the moustache. One complains too uh, much, no, I think. No, no, I didn't actually send him to the bar. I complained that I couldn't send him to the bar. That's my disappointment because I was nice and comfortable, sat in the sunshine. And it would have been great just to send him off to get the drinks in, but uh, obviously that's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, well, were you drinking alcohol, Ed? Uh, I couldn't possibly comment, but yes. <laughs> he could have got you an orange juice. He could have got me an orange juice. That is true. I should have sent him for that, but uh, yeah, no, he, uh, I, I was after a beer, but there we go. It, it is a bit ridiculous. I used to go, my, my dad used to send me in the old days when things were a bit more relaxed and my local landlord used to serve me. Bring back the good old days when yeah, kids can get certain old pubs. Like, that's uh, that's the Boston Allen view on... Uh, What's happened to us all? <laughs> Brilliant. All right, James. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, we shall leave you to crack on with your day. But cheers, James. Cheers. Take okay. care. Cheers, See you, James. Bye. 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 
You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and we're talking about getting ready for summer. And though that's not James and his tips on manscaping for modern beach attire, we're looking at pub gardens and outdoor space. I think that's the fifth time I've made that joke, isn't mm. it? Doesn't get any better. <laughs> it doesn't. I know. I it's so it. shit. Great. Um, we've heard from Amelia and Marcus on how to create a great garden, and James has updated us on what we need to know. Um, I'm delighted to have a previous podcast guest joining us now. Uh, clearly, Heath, you didn't pull her off last time after all. Uh, it's Diane Irving of Drought Limited, so welcome, Diane. Hello, nice to be here. And we've also got George Nightingale of Spoken in Exmouth on the line as well. So thanks, George, for joining us. Thank you for having us. So, I mean, what we want to do here, because we've been talking about sort of uh, outdoor space, getting ready for summer, setting up your business uh, so that it's ready. But it's not that straightforward. Uh, there are challenges. And uh, we've heard from uh, James from Popston and Allen earlier on on some of the, the, the legal elements of that. But I, I know, uh, Diane, you've had some issues. Uh, and George, you've also in the middle of a, a bit of a battle as well. So look, let's just have a chat about what you're experiencing and, uh, and, and what, what, some of the, uh, what some of those issues are. So, I mean, Diane, let's maybe start with you. Um, I mean, you, yeah. you, you had, uh, I believe it's at the Crown, isn't it? You've got an outside crown, terrace. Yeah. So tell, tell, mm-hmm. tell us your experience. What happened? Okay. So, like many operators, last summer decided that we would um, make use of some space at the front. Um, the Crown is, you know, um, on a on a main road, and it was a space we hadn't really looked at before, to be honest, um, because of the fact it was on it was on the a sort of corner site on quite a busy road. But um, looking at the way things were going and the the desire for people to be outside, we decided that we would uh, develop the front area. We have um, a pavement at the front that belongs uh, to us, a pavement area leading onto the pavement. So a sizable piece of a piece of land, maybe about eight, about 10, 10 foot wide maybe before we get to the pavement. Um, the problem with it has always been um, because it's in the corner site in the main road, if we put furniture out, it had to be something that we either take in at night or that we can leave out permanently. Um, we couldn't bring it in at night because, to be honest, we haven't got any storage space to keep it. So it was a case of that was one of the reasons we'd never done anything. Um, but I thought it was too good an opportunity to miss. So we looked into furniture that we could leave out. Um, we developed, we got some of these um, gabion baskets that we filled with rocks. So the furniture is uh, non-permanent. It's not attached to the ground. It's not screwed into anything, but it's pretty it's not going anywhere. To, yeah, it's not going anywhere fast, definitely. So we thought we were quite clever. We checked with um, Carlisle City Council, our wonderful local council, um, beforehand. We checked with planning, we checked with licensing, we, we did all of this. We put it up. We had a little bit of hassle with them um, at the time. We had a few neighbours didn't quite like it, um, as you, you know, you can expect. Um, but it was nice, very pretty, good job at the end. Um, all seemed well and good, settled down, was getting used quite well. Um, kind of patting ourselves on the back, thinking we'd done a good job there. And lo and behold, we get a letter from um, the valuations office who say that our um, patio has been finished, therefore our um, business rates are going up by 17%. Ouch. So, ouch. That mm. kind of, when you, you add that in, that means that all the money we spent and anything we potentially have made has been wiped out uh, straight away. 
Um, we challenged that. We went on to Carlisle City Council and said, hang on, wait a minute, we haven't built anything, we haven't constructed anything, we haven't changed the fabric of the building in any way, we've put some furniture out at the front. Um, pretty much like a pavement licence for anyone else. This has been encouraged by the government. Um, you know, this is supposed to help pubs. Why have we been, you know, why have we been singled out like this? Um, they said, oh, it's, it's kind of a mistake. We're, we're not sure. We probably didn't get it right, but it's now with the VOA, so you have to deal with them. Um, dealing with them is obviously a joy. Um, took us about eight weeks of toing and froing, sending documentation to prove who we were and claim our building. And the only solution that they will give now to look at this is that if we want to challenge the increase then we have to go through a complete re-evaluation now do you go for the re-evaluation and hope that it comes in at the same as it was or but it, really stuffed, yeah. it depends when you were last re-evaluated as well isn't it because exactly. you've, you've taken that business on and, and turned it around and built it up yeah have you been valued since then no oh dear so when we when we took it on five years ago it was pretty much a derelict site there was hardly anyone um, in there they were looking at selling it off for flats and things um, we took it on as the last minute turned it around um, we won best turnaround pub at the Great British Pub Awards with it um, in the first year after we opened so yeah really turned it around so do we want to reevaluate it? no so, so we're stuck with a 17% increase in our business rates because we put some furniture out the front that's insane, isn't it? Um, George, I mean, tell, tell us about your experience. What, what's your situation? Uh, so, similar, but slightly different in as much as uh, I'm, uh, I've got a spirits bar and, and restaurant that uh, has no private land. We go directly out to county land. So we have uh, a space operated by Devon County Council, and that's the pavement licence, and they charge us £100 per year fantastic no problems with that whatsoever again it has to be removed every night which we do um, bit of a pain but it, it's a bit of a strange circumstance in Exmouth um, East Devon District Council own a bit of land immediately adjacent to that and it's all pedestrianised a nice little bit of grass area um, during the Covid pandemic um, we were foolish enough to believe that this was public land uh, and we put a table out on there for people to sit outside and, and stay safe. Um, East Devon District Council took it upon themselves to fine us £500. Uh, and that actually came to national attention because of the, the ludicrousness of, of the situation. Mm. Um, that, but what that did do is it started other businesses in the, in the square. So think of it as a big piazza area in the, in the town centre. All the other businesses then opened up their spaces and East Devon, in fairness, then allowed us to use the land at £100 per year. Hugely successful for both the businesses, for the, the whole town, the, the visitors to the town, the local businesses. Everybody is totally in favour and we felt it would be carrying on uh, ad infinitum. Uh, no, nothing negative about it whatsoever. If anything, it was it was all positive because we all have street drinkers in our towns, uh, and because we were filling the place with nice people, they moved out, and it was just generally a better um, venue. Um, this year, uh, East Devon District Council have decided to uh, increase the the rates. However, they've increased it um, by 
144 times. Um, pro rata, my annual rent for a patch of grass now outside premises, they have valued at £14,400 per year. Now, that in itself is ludicrous. However, East Devon don't have enough staff uh, to make these decisions. We, we met with councillors and officers in, in the autumn of last year to get this all resolved. They've subbed it out to a private company called Torbay Development Agency, who, well, if you just do a search on them, you'll see how scandalous it is. Uh, and, yeah, they've come back and valued it £14,400, adjacent to a bit of county land valued at £100. So you're, There's no you're, transparency. You're expected to pay £14,000 to use that. Uh, no, £6,000 right. just for, for a couple of months in the summer. <laughs> I mean, where are you at with that? I mean, is that are they just refusing to back down on it? Um, well, East Devon District Council believe they've been clever by... Oh. I think we've lost George. Saying, ...and they do not want... Hello? Sorry, Sorry George, we lost you then. We're not even um, allowed to approach them now. Um, we've got to go to Torbay Development Agency uh, and we cannot get an answer from them. They will not discuss anything and they will not even justify why we are all being charged different rates. So just, just to, just to summarise, George, you, if you use the land, you pay. If you don't use the land, you don't pay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, effectively, it, 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 it puts you in the position of just, you just don't use that land, I guess. It, it does. But what's even worse, Ed, is that they are threatening us that if we do not pay that money, they will put it out to open market oh. uh, and, and put it out to somebody else. Well, what that implies is that there it is marketable land. But as we all know with these pavement licenses and leases, is that they, they only allow tables and chairs to be put on this bit of land. Um, and so who is going to be paying this sort of money? We are the natural users of the land, and mm. it is an extension of, of a highway and premises license. Mm. Um, it's opportunism and profiteering from a council who should be supporting us at a time that electric is more than doubling, minimum wages going up, rent increases and rate increases are kicking in. And, and it's not as if there's an opportunity cost to any of this, because for 11 years of the development, it's never been used. So. Mm. Every which way you look at it, it is wholly inappropriate, and we have no redress. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel feel for you, George, I feel for you. Let's see if we can put some pressure on and uh, get some redress for you in that. But uh, Diane, I think, I mean, you're, you're knackered, really, aren't you? You can't, yeah. you can't do yeah. anything about it. We've got, so we, we, we're, yeah, to put it into similar context, we're paying about 7,000, I think, off the top of my head, about £7,000 now a year more for a piece of land that belongs to us and was there and we've just put some furniture on it. Um, you know, and at a time when, you know, pubs are supposed to be being supported, the whole point of pavement licences and everything else um, was to, to encourage people. You know, we've done everything we were supposed to, you know, we've, we've gone with that and tried to use it and, and we've had it now. Yeah. We're absolutely, there's no redress and... And every, any any investment that we had and any profit we've we've had coming back from that has gone. In yeah. fact, we'll be out of pocket. So, and, sorry, George, go on. And the really interesting point to make in all of this that we 
the really interesting point with all of this is that the people who make these decisions, they look at our outside space and go, oh, isn't that lucrative? And this is a, a point that someone said to me, oh, how lucrative that is. Well, if they go inside of the premises and see that there's no customers, it's only a displacement from inside to outside. Yeah. So we're not really taking any more. And it's the public that want this service. It, I mean, of course, we want the capacity as well, but it is like for like. So we're not really taking that much more money, yet we're being penalised and taxed for it. And it's wholly wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, our planning officer who came to look at it at the end of the, you know, the development um, came to look and he said, what you've actually done is transformed what was, to be honest, a pretty bleak um, corner that had nothing going for it into a really attractive space. Mm. So we've enhanced the area and then paying through the nose for it, for the yeah. privilege of enhancing the area. That's all it is. Story of the pub trade, really, isn't it? You're penalised for success. This is the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, I mean, yeah, conscious of time, I think just, just to summarise there, I think for, for anyone that's looking to develop outside space, then think about it, <laughs> get advice, make sure that you're not going to end up getting caught in, uh, in, in any kind of trap uh, as, as you two have uh, experienced. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. All right, guys, well, thank you very much for that. That's all we've got time for, but thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Ciao. Thank you for your time. Bye. This is the Lock-In Podcast and we're looking towards the summer and outdoor spaces in this episode. With the warmer weather upon us, what should we be thinking about serving? And I guess this is both food and drink. So guys, let's let's talk summer drinking, beer garden bevies, beer garden food. Um, What what should people be thinking about? What what are you thinking about, Heath, uh, when it comes to... uh, Let's start with drinks. I think fun. I think after the last two years, you want to have something fun. Like we we champion the frozen margaritas during lockdown when we're trying to think of things to make money, and um, it's become incredibly incredibly successful. Especially takeaway frozen margaritas. Um, mm. People going for walks around Highgate, going to Hampstead Heath. So yeah, the frozen margarita machine stayed all over winter. You know, obviously the sales weren't that great in winter, but in summer as the weather changes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I was another operator and I had a big beer garden, I'd be putting a frozen margarita machine in. I think this, and doing them takeaway as well, I think there's so much opportunity there. Even uh, frozen rosé, which is I've seen become popular over the last couple of years. Okay. Like anything sort of, anything fun, like, you know, like just just giving people a bit of a, a childhood memory but getting them hammered at the same time in a, in a, in a responsible sort of oh, way. I was going to say, served in a uh, drink and responsibly all the rest of it. I mean, you've got the margarita machine down at the Lockhart as well. I mean, mm. how, yep. has, that, has that been uh, yeah, works great. a hit as well? Yeah, because it's kind of a catch-all cocktail, really. You know, mm. it gives you another element to it. We, um, we got a great recipe that we used to use it with uh, cask marketing, um, right. the business we, that supplies a lot of our spirits. Um, yeah, it's stunning. Most people have one. It tends to be, you know, it's almost like walking through some with fresh bread someone sees it and it's like oh yeah I'll have one of those and it becomes it kind of yeah, yeah. contagious throughout the site so yeah really good really yeah, really it's, good. it's, like it's nice an adult slushy basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah we do get in the summer though you get um, people come around on a dog walk oh, right. they'll come in they'll get a couple and take it you know because it's quite punchy yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a really good it's heated you know a really nice extra line of business mm. It's, it's great. I think the event we were at where you won your award the other day, Heath, actually, they had, um, they had a slushy machine going, didn't they? I think it was, they were doing frozen, was it frozen ciders or? 
I didn't see that. Yeah, it was tucked away in the corner. You were too busy sort of celebrating your win and knocking back the Prosecco, so... Uh... <laughs> You've never seen me drink Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cheap Prosecco as well. I needed oh, to get a picture of you drinking it because... Uh, you yeah. wish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think, you know, we've seen how cocktails are um, becoming more mainstream in, in pubs, you know. Some of them done badly, but you're seeing people, you know, the consumers want that sort of thing. So I think, you know, this summer, I've definitely, be, you know, our frozen margarita machine is iconic here now, and same at the lockup. But I, you know, I think that's, I think it's a great way to go. I think I'd just be looking at fun things, you know, that you can, you can do. But people did a lot of that sort of mixology at home, didn't they, in lockdown? So I think yeah. it has, we talked about the, you know, or haven't talked about the gin market dropping off, but I think we've seen that premium spirit thing where people got adventurous in lockdown. It's, a, you know, opened their eyes a bit so mm. yeah no, definitely a, a world of difference gives them a bit of holiday as well you know if they're not going away it's, there's yeah. a feeling of you know kind of a little bit of indulgence yeah yeah yeah. it's, it's fun isn't it I mean a, a frozen rosé though Heath does that not sound just wrong as a wine uh, a wine man mate let, let's be honest you know rosés you know it's not an intellectual wine drink is it really um, you know so yeah, it's. I think it's a bit of fun. It's. It's something personally. I wouldn't sit back and knock back, um, but you know, it's popular. Mm, mm. And obviously, food then as well. You know, we've got um, beer guns. We talked about a little bit. We touched on this with um, uh, with Amelia and Marcus, Amelia and Marcus yeah. earlier um, on serving food in gardens. You know, there's there's logistical challenges mm. there. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? I'd be doing quick stuff. We do that at the Red Line because we, we pick up another, you know, we're lucky this year we've had the marquee over the front garden, so we've had use all year round. But once we pick up the back garden as well, that's potentially another 100, quivers, 100 covers a day. So, you know, we reduce our menu. We bring our menu down and we make it quick, you know, stuff that's really, like, you know, really quick to cook and get out really fast. And we, we, do, we change the dynamics in the kitchen a bit, more grilled stuff. And I just, you know, just reducing the menu. But, you know, things like burgers, as we, as we, you guys did that study and how many, you know, how many burgers are sold in pubs, what percentage of sales it is. Mm. You know, you can't, I just think, you know, people, I think, I think you don't have to be too clever in summer. Cause you're gonna, mm. If you've got big beer gardens, I think you're going to be busy regardless. So, you know, just make your offering, you know, tailored to what you can do and make it quick. The more covers you do, the more flipping you're doing, more money you make. Yeah, and I think the kind of I think we've probably seen the the death of the kind of sharing board that everyone just seemed to be the quick fix for. for let, let's be honest, let, James. Let's be honest. It's never a sharing board when I'm with you and Ed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great shout. <laughs> You're right. It's a fair point. We have to fight him off. Let's not have this conversation yeah. about do you share curries or Chinese? Again? <laughs> yeah. Gee. Oh my goodness! Chinese, yes. Curry, no. We've, uh, we've established yeah, yeah, this. No, These are the rules. Just wrong. Yeah, he is entirely in the wrong on this one. But, I'm, I'm uh, a sharer. I don't know about you guys, but you guys seem to be like you know. I didn't think you were a fan of sharing boards generally, though, Heath. I'm not. I'm not. I, 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 I no, who wants sweaty meat and sweaty cheese with shit olives on an olive board and some really shit bread and then you see, like for twenty odd quid? No, thank you. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm it's sure the flies like, in the beer garden probably like it. Right? Yeah, it's just a bit shit, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like charcuterie. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't mind charcuterie, but like... Yeah, but is it going to be good bit, or is it going to be... Yeah, we're just, we're trying to sell like we're continental. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, look, we're so European, even though we left the EU. Yeah, <laughs> win, <laughs> win. Good day. <laughs> we have got another good day, haven't we? I mean, what about barbecues? Uh, pub garden barbecues. Is that a good thing or yeah. a bad thing? 
Yeah, man, like, let's be honest, you Brits can't cook a barbecue. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> like, so many times. You know, like, you can, there's, 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 there's a little bit of tricks you can do with stuff. You know, like, cooking sausages from scratch on the barbie stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you just got to burn them. They never get the temperature right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, I mean, yeah, it helps with covers. You know, we used to use roll out our spit roast pick machine all the time, but I just got a bit lazy. It's a lot of work. But, yeah, barbecues are good if you've got a big beer garden. Do you know what I mean? I guess it does come down to space, doesn't it? You, you guys don't really have the space. No, and this, if, you get, if you're going to, it's going to be sitting there taking space for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? So if you've got a big barbecue there, you can have a table there for people rather yeah. than... You know, the you, can, you can get you can get barbecues on wheels, James. You don't have to have it there all the time. <laughs> Still going to go somewhere. We can go any room. Are you, are you mm, actually going okay. to, yeah, but you try. You honestly suggest you could do a commercial barbecue operation with a little barbecue people, on wheels. People do know, but you have got like Jose Pizarro at his pub. He uses the big green eggs, which mm. are uh, you know the Rolls Royce to barbecues. So if you've got that action, you just need chefs to know what they're doing. But then you it does I mean? take, That's a problem in the yeah. industry. Yeah. You do see. I've seen there's a couple of places near here that do like they have a shack outside and then yeah, some of them will just be banging out so yeah, yeah, exactly right yeah. well, young, yeah. Yeah, youngs do that with their barbecue shack mm. don't they the, the problem I've got is when you're running like here at the Red when you're running say we've got that car park that we used to turn into like get host people mm. to come and do like pop-ups mm. but you'd always have somebody in the party who wants the food from our kitchen but they want it at the same time because they, they want to eat together yeah, and just yeah, yeah. game you know I mean it's high gate for you but it just becomes incredibly stressful I mean, I do take issue about your comment about us not being able to cook on a barbecue because I think you'll find I can do a really mean pizza on my barbecue. It, 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 I've only seen photos of your pizza. Photos Eight. are enough. My Eight. eyes bleed looking at it. <laughs> I, I had a barbecue, you, Ed, and I have to say the sausages. The only thing that would save them is a time machine. <laughs> it's a little bit harsh. It's a little <laughs> yeah, bit but harsh. I just, but, you, but you guys just... I, I just died know, inside like, slightly. I've, I've seen you Brits get like like firelighter liquid and pour it all over your coals and then set it on fire like man who taught you guys what's, what's to wrong cook? with that it's just it's just or you have these really shit gas barbecues oh I, I'm not a fan like, of it. I did smell I, I'm 100% no no gas barbecue that's, that's not barbecuing that's outdoor cooking yeah I don't yeah, know it's I, just think, I, I, I just think it, it makes me laugh I always get scared you know, the first time I had a barbecue with an English person in this country I, I thought it was a joke I thought it was on some sort of comedy television show it's embarrassing. You're not a fan of the lighter fluid uh, warmth no. effects, then, though. No. No. Bit of theatre, isn't it? Yeah, I always thought so. Yeah. See how, how high you can get the flames up. They just set fire to the sausages on top, no? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got salmonella written all over it. Bit of food poison from Ed. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go there. All right. Let's park that one there for now. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and we are at the end of this episode and we've been talking about uh, pub gardens. I think, um, I mean, we've, we've learned quite a lot about them. We've, we've heard the, the, the legal side, we've heard what makes a good pub garden and also some cautionary tales of... Um, of what not to uh, not to do or, or potential pitfalls, but I mean, generally speaking, I mean, what, what are your, how important is a, is a pub garden to, to you two? I mean, do you do you do you consider it if you were going to take on another pub, would it be something that you have to have? One 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 hundred percent, yes. Mm-hmm. Not only we've we got people still worried about COVID, global warming. 
it's just going to get hotter. <laughs> I mean, there's always a positive. There's always a positive about this. And the seas are rising, so you can sit out there and just have a little paddle. <laughs> I think it's a massive consideration now, isn't it? Just in terms of... Yeah, you need it, man. I think you do. Like, you know, I know, I know all the operators have got just um, pubs that are inside cry come summer yeah because they lose so much business you yeah. know what i mean like you need i think you need it you know what yeah. i mean i mean it's interesting how how important pub gardens have become haven't they because i mean i remember when i was a kid it was that you went to it was a place for families you know pub mm. garden was for families but now it's just so much more isn't it uh, yeah i think you can get away with a bit more as well if you if the garden's lovely mm. you know you'll go there because it's just and the kids can run around and all the rest of it you know um but I think now you have to have this consideration. Then you've got to think about, you know, how you service it. Have you got the right staff? Can you manage your kitchen? But I think certainly, yeah, certainly more important than ever. And I don't see, I don't think the COVID thing is going away in terms of people's behaviour. I think it's when the weather's right, still people have comfort in space. And it, it's, it's become a much more, I mean, like you say, our summer months, yeah, obviously, you know, mm. people flock to the pubs with the best gardens mm. and the rest of it. But uh, COVID's sort of shown us, you know, we can trade these spaces year round so it's not just mm-hmm. about summer is it it's interesting because your boundary always used to be the place where or you're out somewhere people would smoke right yeah and now you've got that extended you're almost you pushing even, a bit further away I was going to say they're almost out, the, out on the yeah they are I mean, that, now, but it is a they? thing right you know you are mm-hmm. having to segregate again because well, at the red line at the red line there's no smoking in the front garden mm. even though the back garden's not covered there's no smoking out there no um, you've literally got to walk out into the car park to have a cigarette yeah. do you know what I mean because but it, it's just the style of operation because we mm. it's so so many families and so many people mm. you know and the last thing you need is someone puffing away in a Marlboro mm. where you're trying to have your dinner do you know yeah, what I mean exactly, so yeah. and it's like there's been no backlash against it really people just no, go oh, we do have to smoke mm. do you know what I mean mm. it's um you know I think I people think understand. There's certainly a sort of gentrification in the garden. I think operators looking at it more than ever as well, investing in them. Yeah, yeah. But it's a constant... I think one thing I'd say is it's a constant thing. We've just replanted out the front here, put some new lights out. It, it doesn't just... It's not a box you just tick and forget about. It's no, you've you know, got to look after it. Yeah, it's becoming. I mean, I remember with sort of previous uh, public awards judging, going seeing some of the some of mm. the finalists, and certainly the big pubcos were really starting to put a lot more emphasis on curb appeal and outside mm. space. Lots of investment mm. going into external refurbishments and I think yeah some some of the finalists in this year's competition as well there's some really sort of I think uh, Punch did a really good job with this inside outside yeah, yeah. Uh, refurbishment work that, that they've been doing mm. um, and, and everyone's looking at this now so it, it's become so much more crucial hasn't it yeah well Admiral certainly did a good job in the last few years sending mm. outside areas into car parks into buildings oh, that was so awful that was, was it was uh, it, are you sure that was awful yeah okay <laughs> I think Admiral too but well now owned by Admiral but uh, uh, oh yeah of course sorry yeah. <laughs> but this is it I mean yeah that, that that was a trend, wasn't it? Yeah. Over selling off the car parks yes. to yeah. C-Store to mm. create sort of uh, uh, other retail opportunities for the rest of it. Whereas mm. now, do you think that's gone? Do you think people are going to be clawing back that I space? Think, yeah, I think the value's in as part of the operation now. Mm. Yeah, I really do. Mm. Well, I think let's uh, let, let's leave that one there for this week. That is that is all from us at the end of this episode of the lock-in. Uh, obviously, I'd like to wish good luck to all our finalists at the Public and Awards, which uh, is taking place on Wednesday, probably the same day this is going out. So good luck with that. Uh, and if you listen to after that, well done to the winners. But I'm not going to tell you who that is right <laughs> now. So um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we will be taking a look at cocktails may even drinking a few as well responsibly of course i'm looking at you heath um some frozen margaritas perhaps are going to be on the cards uh, on that one so uh, that is us 
thanks for listening tune in share like comment send us your thoughts till then stay safe we'll see you next time